Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Um, today we are on show number, hard to believe I know, but show number 528. Um, and I'm really excited about today's show because we're going to be talking about a topic that for anyone who is involved in employee engagement, employee experience or internal comms, it's really one of the, one of the key milestones of the, of the working year. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Gallagher State of the Sector Report. Um, and so I'm very pleased um, to have two guests with me who I'll introduce to you uh, in a moment. But my name's Joe Moffat. Um, I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio. And as with everyone who's involved with Engage for Success, I'm a volunteer, uh, so I have a day job too. Um, and that is that I'm Managing Director and Founder of Woodread, um, a specialist agency where we help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So we're all about everything to do with employee engagement engagement, employee experience, and of course, internal communication. Hence, uh, my uh, delight that um, I've got our guests with us today. And for those who aren't um, as familiar with Engage for Success as you ought to be, um, thank you for tuning in. And um, just to let you know who Engage for Success are, um, a not-for-profit movement, the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement and Engage for Success is all about raising awareness, running events through area networks and topic and sector specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice and important evidence and research, hence today's topic. Um, you can visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and where you can also sign up for the Engage for Success weekly newsletter. So to today's topic and today's special guests. As I say, I have, I have two um, people with me today who are going to really shine a light on the most recent findings in the world of internal communication and employee experience. So welcome to the show, Sean Kleiss um, and Gary, Gary Moss. Um, so it's a pleasure to have you both with us. Um, I'll ask you to um, introduce yourselves um, briefly in, in a moment. But just to say, Sean is strategy partner uh, employee Experience and Insight at Gallagher, and Gary Moss is Internal Communications Director. So clearly, both have a, a, a great interest in this particular topic. So who, who wants to go first? Should we go ladies first, shall we, Sean? Do you want to tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself? Thank you. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm Sean Cleese, and I've uh, been with Gallagher for a couple of years now, um, but I've also been in the employee engagement industry in some way or another for about a decade. So agency mm -hmm. side all the way along. Um, and before that, a um, bit of a background in education and started out in PR, actually. But um, my area of focus at Gallagher is employee experience and insight, as you say. So that's really looking at trends, looking at data, uh, finding out what's happening in the marketplace and applying that fresh thinking to organizational challenges. And I'm also very privileged this year uh, to be leading on state of the sector. So all the way through from um, the survey last year in October, November, and to, to the report, which has been a journey. It came out about a week ago now, so very excited to be talking about it today. Excellent, so literally hot off the press, really. So that's, yes. uh, that's all good. Excellent. And my apologies, I mispronounced your surname. I've made a note. I'll okay. get that right at the end of the show when I thank you for joining us. Uh, Gary, so how about you? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Um, yeah, so I'm Gary Moss. I'm in, in the internal communications team um, at Gallagher. Uh, great to be on the show as a, as a long-time listener as well. 
Um, Thank you. Ironically, I started in um, communications in, in 2008, which was the same year that um, State of the Sector started, but um, not related. Um, oh, okay. Tried, um, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I, I tried a, a sort of a, a familiar background with, from editorial and, and newspapers into, um, into communications. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent lots of my early years writing employee magazines before you know, many organizations had an effective digital channel for reach. So, um, yeah, that's my background. Um, and since then, worked on lots of different interesting projects and with different organizations. But um, a bit like Sean, Sean said, have the, the privileged position now of uh, being involved with the report. And uh, my job is sort of being out on the ground and facilitating those conversations that come after the report. So we're mm-hmm. starting to get some of that feedback and, and there'll be more to come. So, yeah, really interesting um, year of findings. Excellent, lovely, good. So, so um, it's interesting actually to say that. Well, well, it is. It is a well-trodden path, isn't it? A lot of people come the route you've come from um, journalism, external communication, writing into the mm. into the specialism in, of, of employee-facing comms. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm. It's uh, yeah, as you say, a well-trodden path. So, 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 Sean, you're, you're, would it be fair to say then that you're more the you know, the, the sort of the front end of things. And then Gary, you've chucked the ball to Gary and he picks it up and runs with it once it's published. I, I would almost describe it as I'm the quantitative coming, um, uh, coming from the data side and then Gary's doing the qualitative where he talks to everyone and, and verifies what they're thinking and sees what resonates, I guess. But we are a bit of a double act, so you've got two for one today. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that was very lovely to have you with us. Okay, well, let's start off then, Gary, if I may, with you. Um, would you like to just position um, the, the Gallagher State of the Sector report. I think you, you mentioned it was in its 16th year, didn't you, just now? But tell us a little bit about it, the scale of it, the scope of it, um, where it kind of sits in the marketplace. Yeah, of course, of course. So, yes, yeah, for those not familiar, obviously, Gallagher, we're in the employee experience and communication space um, as a sort of a full-service um, agency. And the way I describe um, State of the Sector is our, I guess, our leading annual insights report um, as you rightly say has been in the industry now for 16 years um, so the great thing about it it gives us great benchmarking but also tells a bit of a, a story of the evolution of the uh, of the industry um, mm-hmm. which is obviously quite fascinating how that's evolved especially from a digital um, perspective and in terms of where we sort of are now it's gone it's gone through the pandemic to the redefinition of the role to today talking about the impact of how we utilize digital and remain human and all that kind of stuff but um, yeah. yeah it's really gathered momentum over those years. I think this year, another record um, response rate for the survey, which is obviously, thank you to everyone who filled it out, it's from 2,301 um, responses this year. So mm-hmm. even more data for us to, um, to verify what we're seeing. Um, and yeah, the survey's there um, to survey uh, thousands of communicators and um, to better understand what their priorities are, the challenges, and determining sort of what's working and then that sharing of the best practice and that's what, what I find that communicators love about it is that having a chance to look over the, the neighbor's fence and seeing how other organizations are doing things, what channels they're using, how effective yeah. they are. So, so yeah, so this year's survey was, I'd say, 2000, 2,301 respondents um, through October and November. Um, about half of those were from North America and then around 40% um, from the UK and Europe. So a really good, a really good data set for us to, um, for us to read into mm-hmm. and start to interpret. 
Mm, lovely. Thank you for that. That's a useful, useful scene setter. And it is interesting because today's show is titled The Benefits of Strategic Communication. And I guess that's one of the things, if you think about the 16 years the, 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 the report has been, been published, that change in the way in which people perceive internal communication is very much reflected in that title, isn't it? Because mm. our internal comms has gone from being perhaps guilty of being considered within organizations as a bit sort of tactical and a bit sort of doing to uh, much more getting a sort of seat at the table and being consultative strategic advisors at the, uh, in the c-suite um not everywhere you know still we're not there yet but it's certainly a difference isn't there between now and say 10 years ago absolutely yeah, and it's interesting that you say that as well, that seat at the table. That's really what inspired this year's report because it's something that we kept hearing um, out in the marketplace when we're talking to organizations of like, um, you know, reading research papers that say um, cemented its place at the table, that kind of thing. Yet on the ground, the organizations we talk to are still struggling um, mm. to sort of sort themselves out, set up their purpose, set up their kind of KPIs. And really, we wanted to see if we could use the data to kind of quantify that. And so mm -hmm. this is kind of really the theme this year, is that redefining the role of the communicator. Because, of course, over the last couple of years, we've seen that like line blurring between human resources and internal comms, and then employee experiences become a thing, and then AI has popped up. Um, of course, uh, I think the uh, end of 2022, when we ran that survey, we, our survey closed, and I think a week or two later, ChatGPT hit the scene. So we wanted to sort of see what the impact was kind of one year on. Um, yeah. And interestingly, too, obviously this is being engaged the success of radio show, um, but this year we also asked a new question about um, what success metrics are you held to account for as a communicator? And it actually sparked a bit of controversy online because um, around three quarters said uh, so that their kind of key success measure was uh, employee engagement, which seems mm -hmm. incredibly unfair for communicators alone, because really it should be an organizational goal, right? Um, oh, absolutely. It's interesting. Hope, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen I that debate. It certainly, has, it. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly mm -hmm. has sparked a big debate, hasn't it? And, I, and rightly so, I think, because um, it's difficult to be held accountable and to be measured on the performance of something that you are not utterly responsible for or largely responsible for I think it's so yeah fascinating okay so now look we're going to go into the detail of this a little bit more in a moment but I've got two things I want to just just ask briefly one is um we are going to be talking about this in sort of broad terms with a few, with some data along the way but if people and I'm sure they will want to get hold of a copy of the report let's let's just say that now and then we can remind them at the end where where will they get it um Sean how do they go about getting a copy yeah I was going to say there's a very long URL that I could read out. I think the best bet would be it's just you pop in Google Gallagher State of the Sector 2024, or if you connect with me or Gary after the show on LinkedIn, we'll get you a copy. Um, but the, the website URL is very long. <laughs> I won't read it out. Yeah, I can imagine. No, we won't <laughs> go there. We're not going to read reading out URLs. Is, doesn't, it's no, a great uh, user experience, is it really? So no, that's that's lovely. Good stuff. Okay. Um, Fine. All right. Um, so that was that was the that was the main thing that I wanted to uh, to cover off. So let let's talk a little bit then about some of the top line findings. Um, and I wonder whether that's something perhaps, Sean, from a, a quality uh, sorry quantitative perspective. You know, what's the data telling you? Um, and I also just want to ask you a quick question before that, which I 
went right out of my head for a moment, which was very poor, but it's come flying back in again, which was just a, a little bit of an idea about the methodology. Is this entirely done through surveys or do you do any kind of in-depth focus follow-up, uh, you know, in-depth interviews with, with people as well? Yeah, I think, well, we've always done a quantitative study, so it's been a survey, and that survey, I guess, is shaped by what we're hearing, what we're seeing, the organisations we speak to. So mm -hmm. the report is purely quantitative, with a bit of our mm -hmm. expertise thrown in there to tell the story. And then really uh -huh. what we're doing now is that qualitative bit, which is where we go around, we have roundtable events, we have launch events, um, you know, webinars, things like that, where we really get the, the word on the street. So kind of okay. report lives on throughout the year but it is right so the report sparks the debate if you like through yes, either exactly. those, uh, as it was already be, as you've already said it's begun to do um on particularly on linkedin hasn't it okay thank you right so some some of the top line findings then sean from your perspective what what's the data telling us yeah, so there were sort of four key areas that we looked at. We can probably touch on all of them if we've got time, but I think um, one of the hot items, and it wouldn't be a uh, 2024 report if it didn't talk about AI, right? So I think, as I alluded to um, a moment ago, we saw um, ChatGPT explode at the sort of 2022 survey close. And this year, um, we wanted to find out how communicators were using and feeling about AI. Um, and interesting, well, maybe not so surprising, but there was a real increase in the number of communicators who thought that AI would be impactful in the next five years. So that jumped from 40 to 68%. So people truly believe that AI can have an impact, no surprises there. But we looked at how were people using it. And what we found was that one in three communicators were experimenting with AI. Mm -hmm. uh, one in five were actually using AI, generative AI, for their communications. But then what was really um, maybe kind of concerning was that one in 10 just didn't know what their organization's plans were. And as a communicator, um, it's a little bit of a, of a worry that if you're the conduit for a lot of employees knowing where they stand with um, new technology, that if you don't know what your organization is doing, then it's um, yeah, a bit of a, a missed opportunity. So that was sort of one half of it. The other half was around how are people feeling um, and that was really fascinating too. It's almost like a 50-50 split between positive and negative sentiment. Um, and you know, this is ranging all the way from terrified, in denial, through to like <laughs> championing it and absolutely loving it. Um, what, what was, I guess, the key kind of finding for us was that that neutrality or that uncertainty around AI it reduced with usage. So mm -hmm. essentially. The more you used AI, the better you felt about it, right? So that was very yes. exciting to see that, like, actually it becomes less scary and it becomes more um, useful when you start to use it. So yes. that yes. was sort of the hot take on AI this year. Okay, excellent. Gary, from your perspective, Gary, anything, anything to add to that in terms of that sort of more sort of sense as to, um, you know, what, what, how people are feeling about it? Sean's already mentioned there was a bit of terror, terrified at one extreme. Yeah, 2%. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely mixed. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to perhaps just inherent character. Um, but a lot of it's being driven as well by the organization's stance as well. So some organizations are very much on the front foot with how they're going to use it in their customer experience, how they can use it as a tool internally, um, which mm -hmm. obviously creates that familiarity. And other organizations are sort of, you know, it's not as relevant for them. So maybe that, that sort of filters and cascades down. But I think what's really interesting, and this is in the, the whole narrative around AI, even before this report was, I feel like if we go back a year, everyone was talking about 
content creation and obviously mm -hmm. we spoke at the start about background in editorial which is a common background in communication people are seeing it as will it be writing our copy for us and and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff and there, there are some people out there who are using it as a very sort of basic skeleton and starter um, but does it truly reflect our tone of voice and have the audience understanding um, that we have no um, so, so a bit limited there and people are finding new and interesting ways it seems to use AI more from a efficiency perspective so we look mm. at what the top challenges are in internal comms um, which comes out every single year in the report it's about resource and capability and time in the team so how can we use it to be more efficient so really interesting this year that already speaking to people who are using it to you know theme their meeting notes or to group questions to the CEO from audiences before town halls or you know mm. um, creative ideas at the start of a project and we think about being more strategic if we can mm. use, use AI for things like that, then that helps with that battle to have free up our time to, to yeah. work on the bigger picture, the strategic things as well. So, um, yes, yeah, yeah. some really interesting insights from that area. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think this has been something I've, I've talked about a lot over the years has been the opportunities that tech presents or the threats that tech presents. And I've always had this belief that introductions of technology frees people up to be more human if, if it's used mm -hmm. properly and and you know that's kind of what you're basically describing there if it's used properly it can enable an internal communicator to be more efficient because it can do some of the legwork for you but don't mistake it for doing your entire job for you exactly spot on yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. okay um sean what what was what was one of the other themes have been yeah, I was going to just say, just um, jumping on that point there around technology, I think one of the things that uh, people love about the report is the benchmarking around channel usage. So um, this year we kind of not only delivered the, the, the classic effectiveness and usage of all of the channels, but we started to look at what's changing in the channel space. So thinking about that technology piece, because the tech stack is something that, you know, communicators are always struggling with. So um, yes. this year we wanted to know if people were adding or removing or replacing a channel, but also why and what's driving that change in that technology. So we found that um, one in three had added a channel actually in the last year. Um, and, you know, this is surprising to us because there's sort of these challenges around employees are disengaged, there's too many channels, there's noisy communication, like jumped up on the sort of top barriers list from number eight to number six. And when we looked at the reason why people were adding channels, it was more likely to be a business decision rather than um, communicators acting on employee feedback. So there's this sense that kind of communicators know what's good for employees, but maybe the business is, um, you know, twisting their arm on what channels have to be implemented. Um, but when it came to those channels, um, the people that had a channel framework, so very clear, um, you know, documented what what is this channel for, which audience does it reach, how often we should use it, that channel framework, governance piece, they were three times more satisfied with their channel mix than those with no strategy documents in place. Um, and unsurprising as well, if you ask employees about their preferences, you'll also have a higher channel effectiveness because, um, you know, you're, you're finding out what your employees want. So. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, uh, and and not. I know it's not surprising what you've just said, but it's it's it merits reinforcement, doesn't it, over and over again? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now I'm really conscious we're not going to have enough time to get through all this today. So come on, let's let's crack on. Can you can you quickly just touch on the remaining two themes, and then we can perhaps explore them once yeah, you've shared sure. what they are, and then we can explore them in a little bit more detail. 
Yeah, so the other two were really around kind of people managers that often um, persist as a, a priority and a challenge every year. And we started to look at um, how effective are managers in their job as communicators and what's driving that effectiveness. So are they being supplied with resources and or are they being evaluated on their communication skills, which is really interesting. And um, again, another unsurprising thing, like confirmed with data, the bigger your deskless population, the more you rely on managers and the worse their performance becomes. So that was fascinating. Um, and then the other one, I'm jumping around a bit here, was around um, how much strategic influence communicators really have. So we've talked about that seat at the table. And really, in the report, you'll find like a, a topic-by-topic breakdown of where are communicators more or less strategic and the benefit to the business and to communicators themselves for being strategic. So that's also another exciting piece of data inside. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And and I wonder, um, Gary, on that on that point about strategic influence, it, it, would, did you see a link between those organisations who were able to demonstrate that internal communicators had a greater degree of strategic influence? Were they also the same people that tended to have this sort of sensible channel strategy and, and, and spoke to their employees about what worked and what didn't? You know, do they tend to be in the same in the same camp, or could you not really tell that from the data? Yeah, absolutely. There was a couple of things. So there was on one side of the coin, there was if you're more um, strategic, um, your 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 well-being as a communicator um, um, would be much better. But also, um, and we know that driving strategic alignment is a sort of a, a top focus point for communicators. Um, understanding of the strategy of the business goes up as well. But then on the other side of the coin, it's what what inputs to being strategic. And, and this is what's coming out the qualitative um, side of it is being strategic, having a seat at the table. Like what what does it mean, and what are the things I can do? Practice it sounds quite scary sometimes. How do I become more strategic? And it's not a it's not a flip of the switch thing. What can I do? For, on a day-to-day basis to be to be more effective, but yeah, some of those documents um, that we that we talked about, that sort of having a channel framework, having an overarching common strategy, and then a common master plan, absolutely does reflect, especially with a, a satisfaction um, in channels perspective, um, more more channel satisfaction that you're delivering the right messages at the right time to your audience. So just as an example, only 46% of of, um, of people um, who answered the survey um, had a channel framework. Um, but there was a 12% uplift um, in in channel effectiveness um, for those satisfaction levels for those that did. So you do see that sort of correlation, um, and and that's what's so fascinating about the conversations that people can, peers from different organisations can share ideas on the things they're doing day in, day out to be be more strategic, to sort of Mm. drive that agenda and have more influence internally. So there's lots to unpick there. Mm. So interestingly, so if we if we if we homed in on that, if if I as an internal communicator have a um, a, a good sound strategy in terms of the communication channels that I am utilising to, to to talk to my people, um, then I'm happier in my job, and actually I feel better about my job and feel better about myself and my own health and well-being, probably because I'm not so much at the whim and the beck and call of the latest um, knee-jerk idea of, oh, why don't we do that? Or what you need to do is that. Can you just get this piece of comms out? And, oh, look, I saw this. Isn't this a pretty tool? Let's use it. You're much more in control. Yeah, I'm being facetious, but you know what I mean. Yeah, of course. Um, and, that, and that 
plays to people's satisfaction in their job. It plays to their effectiveness in their role and all round yeah. um, satisfaction of them with their job, but also their um, delivery to their employers as well in terms of mm-hmm. results. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I think really adding to that too, the, the higher level of, um, the more strategic you were, the better that employees understood as well. Um, mm-hmm. But we also asked some new questions, you know, talking about that control factor. Um, we asked people about their well-being, and we also asked sort of what is communications as a job to you? Um, mm-hmm. And I think one in three said it was their passion, right? Comms is their calling, it's their vocation. And actually those people had higher well-being than people who said that comms was, um, you know, just a job or sort of a, a single chapter of a long and winding story. And I think that the biggest mm-hmm. group of uh, 44% said that they loved comms, but they could see themselves happy elsewhere, right? So if they're not given that, that control, that flexibility, that foresight, and, mm-hmm. you know, resulting in well-being and better understanding stuff like that, they could go elsewhere, right? So it's a bit of a risk to, to business, in my opinion, that there's communicators out there who friction between whether the business is allowing them to be and giving them that time. Because as you say, it's easy to get distracted by like a shiny new tool or please push out this mm. message or, um, mm. oh, I've got this announcement, drop everything. So there's, yes. that, again, that's kind of what is the role of the communicator? Are they there to be strategic? Are they there to be, as some have described it, a post box, which is not right. ideal. <laughs> not ideal. And not particularly, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to get a great deal of job satisfaction about just being a post box, are you really? Let's be honest. So, no. um, <laughs> so, so you, you talked about uh, at the beginning about the, what communication, some of the findings um, around the difference between this from the perspective of humans as a human being mm-hmm. and the perspective of this as a business function. And I wonder if you could mm-hmm. put a little bit more colour on that for us. Yeah. Um, so I guess, as I said, there's a sort of tension between um, communicators and businesses. And I think there's a quote um, that we've included in the report from one of the respondents who was saying, like, um, you know, what matters right now in this time of job cuts is sort of, data and measurement and insight and communicators are always sort of struggling to meet the demands of the business to provide that return on investment, um, you know, business outcome focus. And I think 84% of people said that they want to measure more, even though like the top barrier to measurement is just like a lack of time. So there's this idea of like having to kind of prove your worth constantly to the business where actually you might want to be delivering better for employees rather than making all these measurement reports. So this sort of, um, yeah, this, again, tension between what do employees need and how do I deliver to them versus what is the business after. And I think mm-hmm. uh, someone who was on our panel um, at our launch event the other week said it in a, a great way, and that was, uh, you know, communicators need to start talking the language of business rather than the language of comms just to be understood by, you know, the leadership team. Yes. But yes. there's always that expectation of having that ear to the ground and, and understanding what employees want as well. So it's all just a big balancing act, really. You've got it is a, it is a balancing act for sure. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left. I want to just close, if I may, with with you, perhaps Gary. Ask. Um, so I think you 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 identified, didn't you, through this research, that there are four key documents that if a internal comms team or an organisation has these four things in place. Um, then that is all to the good and is going to in- improve satisfaction, effectiveness and, and, and understanding. And I, we've touched on one of them as a 
com, a, a channel strategy. Um, what are the what are those what are those four key documents that you've identified as being so crucial? Yeah. Okay, Joe. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned the first one, that channel strategy and channel framework. Um, the second is very much around the the EVP. Um, so, so, so the unwritten deal really between an organisation in terms of what we offer our people and then what we get in return. And when we talk about uh, yeah. you know business strategies, we always talk about you know needing to needing to tell that in an engaging way in an, in a narrative. Um, mm -hmm. So that's also important from a from a retention and an attraction perspective within the business as well. So the EVP, having that well mm -hmm. articulated across our people teams. Um, mm -hmm. You've then got the comms, um, the comms master plan. Um, so how it is that we're going to deliver on that, embed all the key messages over the year, the channels we're going to use, how we're going to reach and engage our people, um, and then and then the fourth is that overarching comms strategy. So why are we here? Why do we exist? What is our purpose? And that can be used mm -hmm. by communicators to, to not only decide what to communicate, but what not to communicate. Does it, you know, does it drive what's at the top line of, of, of the organization? So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, they're the four documents, and, and the data shows that it links back to that, to that sort of better effectiveness, um, but also um, satisfaction with channels as well. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And anything to add to that, Sean? No, I think nailed it there. It's like, I think, as you sort of said, or touched the um, Gary about um, being very clear on what you're there to do, right? So sometimes that strategy piece or being strategic is not about adding more stuff. It's about taking things away and simplifying. So I think having those four yeah. channels, it removes all of the you know confusion and makes things mm -hmm. a lot simpler for everyone to be able to say no to things that you perhaps Excellent. don't think will further them. Yeah, lovely. Useful. Very, very useful. Um, we are literally out of time. So just a reminder to everybody, um, because there's a lot there and there's clearly a lot to digest. And I would strongly recommend getting hold of a copy because it is always well worth having. Um, and certainly picking up on that point you made at the very beginning, Gary, looking over the fence at what your neighbour's up to. Enormously valuable and enormously reassuring um, if you're if you're kind of wondering what's going on in the world of internal communication. So um, follow Sean please or Gary Moss on LinkedIn uh, and, and you'll be able to get a copy or Google Gallagher State of the Sector 2024 and you'll be able to get hold of a copy there. So thank you to this week's special guests, Sean Cleese and Gary Moss from Gallagher. And um, if you want to find out more about Engage for Success, then please visit us at engageforsuccess.org uh, where you can also download any of the great shows from our archive. So that's all from us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.